Okay, people. So, in this part of this week's episode, we sit down with Joellen Naughty and um, we talk about her new book, right? Which is, um, you know, the uh, the monster under the bed. Right, it's a um, you know it's a discussion about sex, depression, and the conversations we aren't having. So, people, get comfy, sit back, because this, hey, it's an interesting conversation. It's also on YouTube if you want to watch the video. All right, let's get into it. Okay, people, I am joined today by Joellen Naughty, um, and she's the author of a, a book that came out last year. It was um, came out the same time as COVID, so, you know, they might be relatives, who knows? But um, Joellen, thank you for joining me. I appreciate that. How are you? Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. Cool. So yeah, you you have your book, you know, the monster under the bed, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, like I that name probably um, you know, it makes a lot of people think of different things. Yes. <laughs> yes, I get asked if it's a children's book a lot. <laughs> um. Probably depends uh, what you qualify as kids. <laughs> what age right. Group. Exactly. <laughs> So, um, all right, why the book? What kind so, of led to all of um, all of this for those that haven't, um, you know, picked it up? Uh, so it's a, it's a kind of long and winding path, but the gist of it is I spent most of my 20s uh, in a huge depressive episode. And then I, you know, I got married, I did all these things, and then all of that kind of ended at the same time, like I started feeling better, I got divorced and, and I went through this whole life change that resulted in me becoming a sex writer. And so then, you know, I'm, I'm talking openly about all of these things. And so the next time my depression came back, when I got put on medication for it, and it, and, uh, it made me not able to have an orgasm, I talked to the doctor about it and he mm. talked to me about how nobody ever talks to him about that. And then I wrote about it and it started this like snowball of people reaching out and saying, you know, nobody talks about this, but I'm having that problem. And so I wrote more and more stuff about kind of how sex and depression can intersect and how that can affect our relationships. And over time that kind of grew into the book. Uh -huh. Okay. So yeah, that's a weird one, really, isn't it? Yeah. How people don't, there's certain conversations that you will have with your doctor and there's certain things that you will not talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it came up, um, you know, the research process for the book was over like five years and I did surveys and I did interviews and for a, a big chunk of it, I had a Patreon that people would support and they could ask questions. And a thing that came up over and over again there was people saying, yeah, my doctor should help me more with this, but also I don't want my doctor knowing about my sex life. Mm. And I was like, see, that's the thing though. They can't help you if they don't know. And yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's that weird. Well, it's the thing that people often say with, um, you know, friends or loved ones. Like, why aren't they doing this? But I'm not. If I tell them I'm that, they think I'm crazy. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's just like. Yeah. people can't read minds <laughs> exactly and there's so many conversations you know the, the the very long subtitle of the book is sex depression and the conversations we aren't having because there's so many conversations we refuse to have because we think they'll be scary or they're too private or whatever but then we're not equipped to handle any of the situations that happen around mm. those things we're refusing to talk about and then we end up resenting each other and nobody has sex or their relationships fall apart and it's a whole mess. But we, we could talk about those things too. Yeah, I, I think um, there's, you know, in the book, you, you kind of, you talk about different kinds of solutions and things. And, you know, you, I feel you give people like good advice on how they can approach things, right? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I, I finished the book today. <laughs> Right, this, I, I knew I needed to, I figured, I, well, reading, you know, I think when you, you, you talk to people about content, like whatever they've created, whether it's a book, a TV series, a film, you should always try and check it out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But, I, but my memory is so bad. So I have to kind of plan it out. So <laughs> I do it very close to the moment I'm talking to that person. Otherwise I'd be like, Wait, did you write a book? I knew you did, <laughs> what was right? that about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, like I feel, yeah, the, the things that you mentioned in the book, but I kind of feel that something, because it's funny, because you talk about sex education and the, I did not know, right? It shocked me on that bit when you talk about how schools don't even have to tell the truth. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. That blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, there's I'm a. Like, what? I think it's. I think it's. Oh, and I don't have it in front of me, but it's 13 states. I think are not um, mandated to give factual information. That yeah, that yeah. sounds right. For yeah. yeah, that number sounds yeah. right for um, yeah. what you said. But yeah, that blew my mind. Right. Yeah, and that's how we get the teachers who say things like. Um, uh, uh, condoms are as effective as like a fishing net and so look I can throw things through the net and it's just that effect <laughs> like they they are allowed to really just kind of say whatever to further the agenda of like we'll just don't have sex and then the kids aren't yes. educated and yeah well I mean we, I think we kind of seen that when some of the conversations <laughs> about masks and yes. people are like this mask this mask is rubbish this mask is good and they're like look if I throw a bucket of water on it it doesn't want <laughs> be like well obviously you know what I mean? this yeah. is like, that makes no sense but yeah there's a meme that keeps going around that like you understand why condoms fail so much when you watch it the struggle people are having figuring out how to place a mask on their face appropriately like everybody's <laughs> noses are hanging out and it, I'm like that's not helping <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it, it's funny it's kind of like um when you when you get those facts right the, the just the conversations around that yeah you kind of feel that people should just be taught how to interact that should be, you know, what we get taught, like the staples in school. Mm, I feel it's what English, maths, um, science, 
Science? social studies like <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 like they're the kind of core subjects right and yeah. you kind of feel communication yeah. that should be a staple you know yeah. regardless of how smart they deem you to be you know yeah. so what level they put you at communication should always be there because believe it or not we communicate <laughs> and, and yeah. that's like I think it would solve, well, it wouldn't solve, but it would help us navigate so many interactions going through life. Yeah, I mean, and, I spent I spent years learning algebra and it, I, that never comes up in life. And I spent no time <laughs> learning how to be an effective communicator and that comes up daily. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, because when I, it's one thing that always blows my mind, right? When I was doing my, I did a marketing degree and um, I remember we were sitting there and they're like, right, we're going to teach you. It was something about adverts. I forget now, but I didn't, like social media wasn't big when I started my course. I, it feels it dates me, but yeah, social media <laughs> wasn't a big thing. So you, like, we didn't learn that or anything like that, but yeah, they're, they're talking about adverts and they're just like, right, so we're gonna teach you this method and blah, blah, blah. But, oh, when you're at work, you'll never do it like this, but this is the way we teach it. And you're just like, <laughs> why, why, why teach me a method that we will never ever use? that once I get to the work, but I have to do it completely different. This makes no sense. And I kind of feel that a lot of those early stages in life, that's what we're thrown. You know, things that, well, this is how, you know, convention would deem it to be, but it won't be like that when you actually step into the world. Yeah. And so it's just like, if we learn to communicate, it would make, so, well it would make things with partners maybe easier it would make things with doctors maybe easier yeah. you know you wanted to do doctors get taught how to talk about you know sex do, so, do they um, get taught to when someone comes no. and says, the medication you give yeah. me that that or you know, after this operation, can I have sex or can you know what I mean? Those things are they taught those things? Because like, yeah, I don't think they are. Like the amount of people what I, I found, spoke to. What I found in my research was that um, in the U.S. at least, if their specialty, their their medical specialty, was not related to genitals, mm. they got roughly four hours of training around sex-related topics throughout yes. the entire course of medical school. And then um, in the middle of me writing the book, this article came out about um, women who were experiencing pelvic pain were being advised by their doctors to have anal sex instead because their doctors were not prepared to talk to them about sex and had some very out of date views about a woman's role in sex. And so they literally just came up with this incredibly insensitive, not at all helpful rhetoric. And it was like widespread. They talked to women all over the country who had experienced this. And it's kind of what we end up with when we don't teach our doctors to talk about sex. I, 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 to be fair, it does sound sensible. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, it sounds sensible. If, if you're having problems with your pelvis. But I, it doesn't solve your problem. 
Oh, you know, that, that, <laughs> that will clear up over time. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah. So yeah. crazy. And you, you just wonder how long, like if everyone was just like, okay, doc, you know, it didn't yeah. talk, like it would just still go on. Yeah, that first doctor yes, I talked to, he broke it down for me because when I had, he had prescribed me the medication, I asked about the side effects and he took out this big book and he read off what it said in the yes. book and he said, well, that's highly unlikely. And so when I came back and I said to him, I know you said it's highly unlikely, but this is what's happening. And he said to me, here's how we get the information that goes in the big book. The information comes from doctors and they tell us what, or, you know, they tell the people who make the big book what their patients report. And so if our patients are afraid to talk to us about this, it doesn't end up in the book. If you talk to me about it and I don't deem it important or I don't believe you, it doesn't go in the book. Mm -hmm. So eventually we end up with all of this data that isn't actually data because it's missing all of these pieces that people aren't reporting or people are afraid to talk about or people don't believe are happening. Which, yeah, again, is so weird because yeah. the... I think there's there's situations that everyone knows, right? Heart rates and things like that go up when you visit the, the doctors or the hospitals. People don't tell the truth when you yeah. visit the hospital or your doctors. So you can't just go on that sort of information when you're compiling books and yeah. research. It, it, there must be another way. It's so yeah. odd. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, a, a, a thing that would be helpful would be to talk to directly to patients, right? Mm. But we tend to look at information that comes directly from patients as suspect and addict data and not peer reviewed and not, but it does mean we end up ignoring the lived experience of so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, yeah, it, it's a, it's a, yeah, I just found that section of the book very interesting, right? Yeah. Because, um, yeah, people lie right people lie a lot like because the, the amount of times I've heard you know friends and they talk about being like oh yeah sex all the time oh yeah just yeah. oh it's fantastic it's great our, our yeah. relationship is perfect and then if like when it's just you and that friend talking yeah like they might forget what they've said in public and they'll be like oh and it's just she never wants to do it or he never wants yeah. to do it and it's just like well wait and you're thinking to yourself didn't they say the other day the yeah. all the and, and so you're just like click yeah clearly people don't tell the truth so you can no, never and there's go all this from what someone else is like preaching yeah. a lot of the there's time. this weird pressure about sex where we believe everybody else is having more of it everybody else is totally satisfied and if we're not then we should probably lie about that because either they'll judge us or they won't believe us or we'll be broken in some way. So mm. everybody just keeps going with this masquerade of like, we're all having all the amazing sex all the time. And then we go home and feel bad that we're not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was like the, um, the bring a friend to um, the, mm. the doctors with you part yeah. as well. Because, um, yeah. yeah, that has gone terribly wrong in the past. <laughs> yeah, you got to be very careful who that friend is. But it is, it can be helpful 
because we can't always see our own symptoms clearly. Mm. And I remember a woman I spoke to for the book, I think she's Laura in the book, talked about how they couldn't treat her depression. She just couldn't, her, her um, treatment just kept being ineffective. And she took her best friend slash roommate with her and the roommate said, well, what about when this thing happens? And it was a, it was like a response, a physical, mental response she was having to things that she didn't even think to mention to the doctor. And the doctor was like, oh, well, if that's happening, this is a different beast. And they changed the met- type of medication they gave her. And she finally had relief because mm. she was able to bring that outside eye that could communicate the things she didn't even think were relevant. and so. It's, it's funny because it can go so right or it can go so wrong. And so you really have to be careful who it is you're bringing with you and whether they're prepared to, to be that for you. Yeah, because then you mentioned the, the situation you had where, yeah. um, you know, your, your partner then saw how ineffective it yeah. was, but then it's like, so um, score out of 10, how was I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that was, that was a rough conversation, but it was a good one. And it's funny. I'm actually at that partner's house right now. He's 10 feet away from me. Um, And we cite that all the time as like this turning point of when we learned how it was going to be to deal with doctors and all of the stuff I was dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's definitely important because I think sometimes you talk about stuff and people think, Oh, look, it's, you know, it's Joanna again, exaggerating. Surely, you know, she's blowing it out. It's never going to be as bad as she always says. All right, we'll listen, we'll nod. Hey, yeah, no, great, awesome. Yeah, and and it's only when someone sees it that they, because I remember when I was younger, right, I used to, you know, where I lived was not very diverse, mm-hmm. right? So the, it would be racial abuse literally every single day, like yeah. several times a day, and no one would really believe. And yeah. one day I'm walking to the bus and I'm talking to a friend and on the way, like it was, I think a 15 minute walk to the bus stop from my house. And in that 15 minutes, three cars had driven by shouting n-word and whatnot at me and then my friends on the phone going I always thought you exaggerated it I'm like why would I exaggerate that like that's not bragging right Right. (laughs) what the hell you know what I mean but yeah, yeah people won't believe you unless they witness the thing it's true. And there's this weird mentality that if somebody is experienced some, experiencing something bad that we're not experiencing, or if they're experiencing something that sounds worse than what we're experiencing, we've like, I don't know, forfeited our right to ever say we experienced something bad. But like, we mm. can all just acknowledge the actual real terrible thing that is happening to somebody else. Yeah. And still you know, deal with the terrible thing that happens to us. Like, it, uh, yeah, we need to get better at not thinking that like my life must be perfect if you have this bad thing that's going on like no Mm. we can (laughs) it sounds really cynical to say but both of our lives can suck at the same time in different ways well yeah because what (laughs) you're because what's you're experiencing that's bad for you but this thing I'm experiencing that's bad for me and it's the same level of badness but they're both different things things 
Yeah. And yeah, we don't have to vie for, uh, no, mine's a 10. I feel yours <laughs> is a 7.5. <laughs> and when people have no frame of reference, like help, people have been healthy their whole lives. Mm. We'll, we'll say in these conversations with chronically ill people like, oh, come on, they're doctors. They know what they're doing. Or, you know, the doctor yeah. went to medical school. He because their experiences like once a year they get sick and they go to the doctor and he gives them an antibiotic and life goes on whereas my experience is like every six weeks begging somebody to do something about the medication that's making me you know feel awful all the time or whatever and it's just a, such a different experience that I think it's hard to imagine that that other one is happening like I Mm. I turn to people sometimes and I'm like, really, your relationship with your doctor doesn't involve crying? You, you, you like, <laughs> yeah, it just sounds fake. <laughs> yeah, you have not got a real doctor, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> have you, have you not found that, um, yeah, they, they often, the doctors will often say that, um, hmm, I mean, this probably, that probably happens to, I don't know, like 1% of the people that take this, this medication. So you'll be fine. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you come back and you're like, um, I mean, um, you know, that thing is happening. They're like, really? That doesn't no seem like No one else yeah. has, uh, you know, brought that up. That's, yeah. yeah. Are you sure? Are you, what else is going on? Could it be something yeah. else? You know, yeah. then, you, then yeah. you, you try to make you doubt yourself on, oh, maybe oh, I tried a new cereal, didn't I? Huh? Yeah. Could be that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the internet's been fascinating because now when I experience, you know, if I'm on a medication, I'm suddenly gaining a ton of weight or whatever, I can go and enter that medication in and Google and be like, are other people experiencing this? And then find a place where people are talking about it and hear experiences that are like mine, but then I'll still go to the doctor and he'll be like, no, that happens like one-tenth of 1% 1 of the time. Nobody's experiencing that. And I'm like, except that people are, and we're talking about it to each other now. Mm. And you know, yeah. the internet's dangerous and not maybe the best source for information, but it does help us find those people when we feel like we're losing our minds because <laughs> this thing is definitely happening and they're telling us it's not. Uh, but a, a problem, I had to come I had to change some medication this year and I remember speaking to um, my doctor and my doctors are great I will say that but I'm just like oh, yeah how is the new um, tablets I'm like I don't know I'm, I'm not quite sure right because I don't really feel any better yeah. kind of feel that you know I'm putting on weight and they're like oh well you know it's lockdown everyone is I'm yeah, just like, <laughs> I yeah. no 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 because I'm active you know what I mean I'm walking I'm doing stuff you know what I mean I'm not just yeah. sitting there shoving a load of trash in my face now there are the odd cookie I will you know I'm not saying <laughs> that but you know what I mean? I'm not being ridiculous right but the, but there will be that thing where it's like oh no but it must be be and you're like uh. I'm, I'm going to date myself terribly here but I grew up in the 80s and 90s and I feel like a lot of how adults related to things when I was a kid was to give you an alternate explanation as to why it wasn't really happening and then nobody yes. had to do anything yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, I yeah. feel like we're kind of still dealing with the tail end of that because I get a lot of the like I'll go and I'll be like 
well, this medication, I'm sleeping 14 hours a day now. And they'll be like, well, it's getting dark out early. So I think everybody's doing that. And I'm like, no, it's not. What's but we get a lot of those like explanations that they think explain it away. And then nobody has to think about it anymore. Hmm. And it, it takes me back to like being a kid in Catholic school and being like, I'm being bullied. And they're like, no, you're not. They're just the teasing. Kids just yeah. say stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> Man. It, 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 yeah, it's a funny, it, it's a funny thing because, you know, I think time has passed, right? We've got these new tools like the internet, you know, there, so there's new ways to communicate and find information, which, yeah, you definitely didn't have in the past, but then there are still these issues that keep on coming up. And you're just like, is this going to change? Because you would, you would have felt that, um, yeah, doctors would be a bit better with some of this stuff. But yeah, they're they're not. (laughs) And a lot of what we're seeing at here in in the US, a lot of the problem I've had the last couple of years is that there's not access to um, psychiatrists. So primary care doctors are handling the depression meds Hmm. and they're not equipped to handle that. And so then you end up just going around in this circle with them prescribing the same three meds they're comfortable with and it not working for you. And, and it can go on for a really long time. I'm actually about, I'm getting ready to move across the country because in my region, the problem has been so challenging for me that I'm moving somewhere where I feel like it will be better. Oh, damn. It's yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I grew up on the East Coast. and I'm living on the West Coast right now. And um, I'm moving back to where my family is and um, where we know more about. Because here I've just run into so much um, red tape and bureaucracy. And um, finally, I found a place and I found this great cohesive care situation where my primary care and my therapist and my psychiatrist were all linked in together. And a month after I found it, they pulled the funding and shut that clinic down. And yeah. (laughs) And so um, that's, yeah, it's gotten to a point where I'm literally moving 3000 miles to try and get better care. (laughs) Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Like one thing I did notice I, 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 is they were probably around, you know, before, but yeah, it, it seems that um, online, you know, online counseling is, has seemed yeah. to really kind of blown up since lockdown kind of started. Companies like yeah. BetterHelp. Um, and I know there's another one that I've heard about, but I can't remember the name. Yeah, there's one. Um that I know um, the the Olympic swimmer, Michael Phelps, does a lot of advertising for one of those uh, like online counselor services. Mm. Yeah, and I feel like, <laughs> I feel like mental health has been a lot worse in the last couple of years. I won't speculate why in my <laughs> country, we'll just leave that for people to imagine. Um, but, um, and with that, and more and more people have lost their access. And with that, these services have kind of blossomed. And then we all got locked down. So, like, it's been the perfect time for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, this is, yeah, is enough to drive anyone just over the top, really. 
Yeah. And I think that's one thing that isn't really talked about that much. You know, because you have people, I think, yeah, some people die of COVID, but I think more people are dying of related COVID things. Yeah. And especially when your business is gone and or you can't work and bills are mounting up, yeah, depression is, you know, it's there. Yeah, the um, the suicide rates have been um, especially, there was one that was like, especially among young younger men, like men like 25 mm. to 50 or something like that. And it, a lot of it had to do with the being locked at home, losing jobs, losing footing professionally, like just everything they know about their life going away. And it's a brutal time. And I don't think we're really going to understand how much so for another couple of years. Yeah, but to yeah. be honest, I don't know if anyone really cares. Yeah. Because, you know, it because it's there, right? Yeah. It's a thing, but no one seems to really address that side of things. Yeah. Which is so weird, right? It's just always so weird that they want to kind of brush that aside like it's not, you know, not a concern. Yeah. And I know, you know, we've had a lot, um, see a lot of that, like, well, that's not real. That's just feelings. Mm. And, and so like, like we should all just be able to control anything that involves mentality and feelings super easily. And if we don't, it's because we're weak or something. And I, I like to think that there's help coming for that i'm not positive i'm going to keep talking about it mm. so i'll see what i can do yeah no I, I think it's definitely a good thing when people talk about this stuff yeah you know because i think so there's times when you just assume oh, no one else is like having to deal with this yeah. and then you you know you hear oh that person yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Okay, that's yeah. cool. You know, so it, it's a good thing in in that regard. I do wonder sometimes, right, if people aren't mixing up just feeling sad with depression. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you often yeah. see people and you're like, oh, I'm so depressed, and you're like, Wait, no. I think you're just sad. Right, because yeah. like if something's <laughs> happened, like someone, oh, I've lost my job, ah, and now I'm so depressed. And like, you're probably sad, right? Because yeah, losing a job, that's not the best thing, right? <laughs> and then a, a few days later, now they're like, oh yeah, everything's great, and you're like, yeah. And I think that breaks down over like a course of a couple of things, right? So there's there's sadness, and we've gotten really big as a society in referring to sadness as depression, like yeah. my vacation got canceled, now I'm depressed. Yes. But then there's situational depression. So like you lose your job and you're depressed. But a lot of times with um, like in extreme cases, medical treatment, but like even like I remember a good friend of mine fell into a deep situational depression and then he took up running and now he's great. And like mm. that really helped for him. And then there's the clinical stuff. Yes. And the, the long-term chronic stuff that like, just goes on and really needs a medical intervention and even then that doesn't always work and and these things are all different beasts and 
we tend to lump them all together under that one big D depression. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Right. Because it's like when you talk about athletics and athletics is a whole heap of different things. Yeah. Like running and shot put and javelin and gymnastics all together. That's athletics. But there's a lot of different categories. But yeah. depression is just depression. Yeah. And what, what we miss a lot, too, is this set of things that we recognize as depression. They can be the illness. You can have the illness, you know, clinical depression. But also what looks like depression can pop up in response to a bunch of physical um, illnesses, thyroid mm. illnesses, brain tumors, autoimmune things. And so if we're not prepared to treat those things, we could have somebody being depressed for years because they just don't have the access to the right treatment. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. And you don't know that that stuff is depression. Yeah, because it just all looks like depression. <laughs> like yeah. it's, like, what, it's yeah. just like, I think when you get used to something, right, you, you get used to doing and trying to cope with a situation. Right. So you just like, all right, so I'm not sleeping. Fine. That's fine. I'll just, you know, I'll do that. And, you know, I, I do this. And yeah, you know, I'm working like, you know, what, 18 hours a day, but that's fine. It's all right. And, you know, I just keep on going and everything's cool. And you will, I think for all sense and purposes, you can maintain. Yeah. But then, uh, you can only maintain for a period of time and eventually it, it all falls apart yeah but you yeah. had no clue you have no and it's only after it's all fallen apart that then you could look back and go oh right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that probably wasn't good <laughs> it's like one of those movies where there's a big twist at the end and then they take you back and show you the places where you could see the twist coming together throughout the movie but you didn't know at the time and now yeah. it's like all so obvious i know it's yeah. like i was kaiser so say all along <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> oh my <Exactly>. god <laughs> yeah for me quarantine was a big wake-up call because i had been in a like atrocious depressive episode for about a year and a half but like a bunch of stuff had just become normal to me I was like mm. I don't leave the house my day ends at two I don't go to the grocery store like this was all normal to me and then the rest of the world got shut into their houses and people were like isn't it terrible to not be able to leave isn't this and I was like oh that's not just life <laughs> I, I forgot about that I used to go places and do things and that was this like wake-up call to me of like oh I've been in a bad bad place and didn't realize it because I just adapted to it mm. yes yeah 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 it's just weird that sometimes you need that outside thing to kind of shake you and be like yo things ain't great and you're like huh? <laughs> wait oh oh yeah you might be right <laughs> but yeah no worries and then you like you might speak to your friends and be like oh you didn't seem yourself and you're like okay thanks <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and I think, you know, I, I grew up in a very um, blue collar area where it was like, everybody hates their jobs and life is hard for everybody. And it's, mm. and so a lot of times I'll just be like, oh, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go anywhere. But everybody feels that way. They're just all pushing through it and being tougher. And mm-hmm. I, and I forget that, no, not everybody feels that way. People do actually enjoy life occasionally. And, <laughs> and it's okay to want that. Well, yeah, because you're, you, you know, you're told, especially, you know, when you, when you, when you're young, like back in the day, right? Because, you know, like you said, I, yeah, I grew up in the 80s, 90s, yeah. right? And you, you, you know, um, what's the expression? Uh, pull yourself up by your by bootstraps. bootstraps. Bootstraps, yeah. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's people worse in the world than you. <laughs> pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, yeah. brush yourself off. Go back and get at it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do that. So that's what you do. You're just like, right, no, I can't. I gotta keep on, gotta keep on going. Yeah. I remember I got I got run over one day, like just completely blindsided, flipped over by this car. Like no one helped me. And I'm just like, God damn it. And I, I was on my way to work, and I'm just like, God damn it, I can't miss work. Because I'm at uni as well. And I'm like, I need to work to pay for uni. And I was like, so I went into work and I'm like in work and I'm in so much pain. And I'm just standing there and I'm just like, I'm in a worst mood. And people are like, what's wrong? I'm like, fuck off, leave me alone, man. Leave me alone. And I was in such a bad mood, then I fell down three flights of stairs. And I'm just like, and I'm just like, what's happening? And they're like, oh yeah, I got run over earlier, didn't I? Oh. Yeah. And then eventually someone just was like, you have to go home. I'm like, I'm not yeah. going home. You can't <laughs> tell me. And I'm like, go home. I'm like, fine. All right. I'm going home. So I went <laughs> home. But then I went back the next day because, you know, I can't miss two days in a row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, um, yeah, you, uh, I feel you, you need sometimes, like, you know, people to help in some regard to kind of yeah. point out to you like yo are things cool is everything all right you know what I mean? yeah but i feel like in the last couple of years we've gotten very big at talking about asking for what you need right you should ask for what you need when you need something and in some ways that's great in other ways it has turned us into monsters who don't <laughs> help each other out unless yeah. we get like an engraved letter explaining exactly what that person needs and i think we need to find the balance where i can yeah. say to you i need a little extra rest i can't do this today but also i can say to you you seem like you might need rest do you need rest and like we can look out for each other as opposed to it being either i demand it or it doesn't happen yeah but sometimes i don't think we you always know yeah and and like it might be need someone to suggest it like you know what we don't have to do that thing today right let's let's do it tomorrow and you're like ah you know we still can they're like no 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 don't worry and then you sit down and you're actually like oh damn actually i needed that yeah Oof. Man, yeah i, I know i need somebody to look at me bad it was. like you need someone to look at you sometimes and say okay you're crying because you just spilled water on the floor maybe you're not in a great place right now what can we do about that mm. and and i think it's mm, I think it's a combination of 
the instinct to have everybody look out for themselves. And also that like, I don't want to be nosy. I don't want to, I don't know, pry, but like, yeah, we need to, we need to watch out for each other. It's the only way we're all going to get through this. And by this, I mean life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, 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 that's definitely, um, yeah, I feel that's definitely the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, you want people to be able to, because I, I think there's that the chapter you're talking about with, um, you know, support from partners and things like that in the book. And it's that, yeah, it, it's that line, right? Because you, you want someone to be able to support without being like crazy pushy or, you know, keeping that score, you know, and using situations and like all of that is, I think you, you mentioned um, Pete, someone you knew, I think it was like a 24 year old marriage and it ended because yeah. they then realized that for all them years, they'd been giving support and help, but then when they needed it, yeah, wasn't, and I, that was just like, yeah, they were left in the hospital because the person didn't want to drive and it's like, yeah. God damn. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, and that story actually happened to somebody very close in my life. And I remember us all being at like a, a, a party and them saying like lightheartedly, well, you know, I, I spent the night at such and such hospital and we were all like, why, why were you in the hospital overnight? And they were like, well, you know, my test wasn't done until like seven and, and my partner doesn't want to drive at night. And literally five of us were like, we, we all would have driven you home. There was no reason. And that mm. was like when that all started to unravel because it becomes clear when you realize that most people won't leave you sitting in a hospital overnight because they don't want to drive in the evening. It's yeah. just this one person who is willing to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah, you don't, I think that's the thing, because you oftentimes you give people outs. Right, you'd be like, well, no, they, it's because they were busy, and right, because of, yeah, you know, they, it's a stressful day. So obviously, they, you know, they, then they wouldn't do that sort of thing out of spite on you. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's just one thing that then suddenly it's that domino effect, and you suddenly look and you're like, you know, it's like um Sherlock, you know, like those, those yes. Sherlock, and suddenly it's just like, boom, 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 boom. you're like, huh. It was the waiter with the candles. <laughs> <laughs> that was so <it>. obvious now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you get that clarity and you're like, ah, god damn it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's weird. And yeah, you're speaking with other people and they're like, wait, why didn't you just ask me? I would have come and you're just like, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, because you normalize it too in your head. You're like, oh yeah, that probably is a big ask. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a, a television show I've been really into the last couple of years called The Good Place. And oh, it takes Yeah. I, yeah. I, my friends were going crazy about that, telling me to check it out. It's wonderful. It takes place in the afterlife and it examines um it's this doesn't sound like a fun, lighthearted show, but I swear it is. It examines ethics and talks about what our motivations are to be good people. And it comes back a lot to the idea that if there's no promise of a reward for us here or after death or whatever, then don't we come, don't we 
act as good people towards each other out of a desire to respect each other's inherent dignity and to show up for each other and to recognize that we're not here alone. And that has become like my favorite way to look at how I want to show up in the world because it's not going to be about, you know, what's waiting for me later. It's that the world is full of other people and they're all going through stuff too. And if we could coexist in a way that we make that a little lighter for each other, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I used to, as a kid, because, you know, back in the day, nothing was ever open on a Sunday. Yeah. So it just like Sundays were the worst. Yeah. God damn. I, I, yeah. Like in the UK, the, the, the main things on Sunday, you'd get the Waltons in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at night, they'd show Doctor Who. Like oh, that yeah. was Sunday. And the rest <laughs> of it was just. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find stuff to do so I like when I was young I used to go to um Sunday school yeah and I just I had to stop I stopped right because it drove me insane right because even at a young age I was like ah, these people are hypocrites man yeah because it was just it all because it just seemed that on that Sunday, for those few hours, people walked around and be like, ha, I'm so good. I'm doing this. And then you'd be like, wait, I saw you during the week. And you were doing <laughs> all of, wait, I saw you in that spot. You were snorting coke. Like, yeah. what the hell? But then on Sunday, it's just like, yeah, I'm awesome. I come to church. And you're just like, yeah. no, you're an asshole. And, and so I was just like, no, you can't can't do this man but the but the one thing from you know the the you know the bible that just seemed like the only worthwhile thing to kind of you know hold to was do unto others as you wish done to you yeah right that's the that's just the one like yeah religion just irritates me on a whole but i kind of feel if everyone just you know holds that everything would be kind of golden, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and for some reason that doesn't register with a lot of people. A no. lot of people don't see it, yeah. No, it, it's this tally. It's this yeah. weird kind of um, scoring system. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's not great. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. But the weird thing is I did start watching The Good Place because I can't sleep. And yeah. so I watched... Uh, uh, I'm gonna say t- first two seasons. Okay. And then I just I couldn't. I mean, it irritated me too much. But I mean, yeah. I can see why people like it. But the only, the thing that kind of bugged me was, and a lot of shows do it where they they've got a ca- they've got characters and they're like, okay, so this is your fun character and this is your this character, but everyone is just that. Yeah. And I'm just like, I. Then people aren't all, yeah. and you know, they they made Kristen, Kirsten Bell, Kirsten Bell? Yeah. Right? Kristen, okay. Kristen yeah. Bell? Yeah, one of those, yeah. Yeah. I just think of her as Veronica Mars all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I True. love Veronica Mars. <laughs> but um, yeah, her character, but she was meant to be like the, um, ha, I'm out for myself. And it was yeah. just like, all right, I get it. But not always, like people that are just out for the, 
it's not always as overt as they kind of made her. So it's yeah. just like way like over the top and and I was just like, where's the nuance? Where's the nuance? Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, that that just kind of you know. I would and argue then, that in seeing the first two seasons, you've seen the best. Like I I think that was the best part of that show. Ah, right. Yeah. Okay. That in the very end was lovely, but honestly, I think you're good. <laughs> I think you're all set on that. Because <laughs> it was like, then you had the guy that was meant to be dumb. Dumb. Yeah. You know, who acted like the monk and, you know, he doesn't yeah. talk. And, but it was just, it was that Joey thing from Friends. <laughs> I was when, just thinking that. You know what I mean? When you yeah. can't write a character, so you just make them dumb. dumb. And it yeah. was just like, oh, even dumb <laughs> people aren't that. Yeah. Right. I, I know plenty of dumb people. I'm not going to say names. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know plenty of dumb people, but they're nice people. Yeah. Right. And they don't act like that. But there's yeah. certain things, and you'll say to them, and they would be like, yo, what about? And they'd be like, huh? It does that. And you're like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, doing? I get it. You know, but if that character is just like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It, but it is that I feel it is that thing though. As, as you said, it's that um, ethical kind of quandary yeah. that, that like, we stumble upon. And yeah, it, it can play a big part in. Yeah, just that kind of trying to find a balance, right? When you're struggling with everything else, you know, you want people around you that are just, you know, decent and aren't yeah. gonna take the piss. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember um, I was seeing this one girl and like, I was, it was so weird, I got, just horrendously ill all of a sudden well it kind of felt all of a sudden but then I realized oh it's been going on for ages but yeah. at the beginning it was in spurts so it would hit me and I'd get really ill for like a week and then it, then I'd be fine and I always thought it was food poisoning from this one spot and I'd slated this spot I tell people they, they're just full <laughs> and I wouldn't eat there and I feel kind of bad because you know, it wasn't them <laughs> but uh you know uh, these things yeah. <laughs> although I kind of feel they I, I feel they're a little I think that they were a little bit racist so I don't feel too bad too bad so, yeah. yeah so I'm just like eh, fuck them anyway but uh yeah I used to kind of think it was that but then over time, those periods got longer and longer and longer. And I had no clue what the hell was going on. And um, yeah, I, I, and for, I, I was going back and forth to the, the, you know, the doctors and they didn't know. And there was this, I was dating this girl and, you know, I, I get hit with this like lethargy and just this illness. And like most of the time I'd still go out and do stuff. Like people didn't know for the most part. And, but I told her 
And if she didn't want to do anything, she'd go, oh, Kevin's feeling ill. So um, I, we, yeah, yeah. I don't. And I'm just like, wait, no, I would have gone to that thing. <laughs> like, you can't use me as yeah. your way of not doing stuff. But that would be that would be the thing. And then it's like, if she's feeling ill, it's like, oh, can you do this and do that? And if I'm feeling it, it'd be like, oh, you can still do that. Do that, yeah. Like, oh, it's fine, just go do that. And it was just like, Argh. you yeah. know, it's that weird imbalance that you um, come up against. But I, Yeah, I, it's I, gotta be a two-way street. Otherwise you're all just gonna end up not liking each other mm, at some point, yeah. Yeah. But I, I kind of feel that I think these sort of things, it's helpful in a way, because it lets us know who's ride or die, right? Who are the people that are worth being around? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, you know, like, not everyone is meant to be for the complete journey, right? Some yeah. people are pit stops, and yeah. that's fine. But you just want to, you just need to know who's a pit stop and who's a uh, who's a chapter who's a paragraph like who, yeah. where, where do these people how do they fit in this book that is yeah. um, life as it were yeah. i think we get ourselves in the trouble when we try to make people the whole book and yes. they're really just supposed to be like a paragraph yeah <laughs> or yeah. a sentence <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but uh, i i yeah i thought um you know, the conversations with people um, and you're saying that you then found that there was the people that, you know, sex didn't stop with depression. Yeah. The libido increased. Yeah. Which was, um, that wasn't like, yeah. So you found that you didn't include it in your first kind of set of, you know, questions and stuff. And it only came up, you know, like uh by chance yeah it came up in the first round of one-on-one -on -one interviews where I talked to people and I talked to I like to tell this story because it's a great encapsulation of how depression impacts how we function when I asked for interview volunteers 500 people signed up Whoa. when I asked people to sign up for slots 100 people signed up and then when it was time to do the interviews 20 people showed up <laughs> and so <laughs> That's a big difference. <laughs> it, it, it changed how I did the interviews from then on. From then on, they were write-in things. So nobody ever had to like show up and sit at a computer and talk to me because I recognized as someone with depression, I probably would hate doing that too. So, um, but those first 20 people, five of them reported um, having more sex. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a considerable amount, even of that small sample. Mm. And then when I did the rest of the interviews, which is another 200 people, again, that that number held out. It was 20 to 25 percent reported having more sex. And the reasons varied. Some of it was um, a certain medication would do it for some people. For some people, it was a destructive behavior. Mm. Um for some people, it was a, a way to seek out comfort and to yes. feel better and to feel something. So the, the reasons for it varied, but its presence at all shocked me because I bought into the thing that people say, which is like, ah, depressed people don't want to have sex anyway. Yeah, so that that's a, I did find that interesting, but it did kind of relate 
because I, I've there's some medication that I've tried and you know you just feel kind of dead yeah right I remember um because I remember I got run over I think it was the first time I got run over and um yeah I, I'm going to the doctors and the doctor is just like hmm so how did that happen I'm like I have no clue suddenly a car was there and I'm flying I don't know and, and they're just like oh okay are you sure and I'm like well I didn't just and, they, and they're just like oh we think that and so they're just like right take these tablets and I'm just like oh god damn it and so I'm like so I took I was like all right I tried and so I was taking the tablets and um yeah I just felt like a freaking zombie I, there was just nothing I, I you know it felt like um you know as people describe trapped locked in locked in yeah. something it was felt like that and there was nothing right you know what I mean so yeah. the, I mean there was no sex drive I mean granted there was no sex there was like yeah. sex was like <laughs> even without the tablet sex wasn't even in the freaking hemisphere but you know what I mean there's no you know what I mean sense of like there is no yeah. feeling of you know sex nothing so there's that but then other then I've I've had other kind of periods and stuff and I've you know tried different medications and stuff like that and yeah you know you're fine you can still you know you can still get um aroused and whatnot right but what I found was it's not uh you know like getting hard right you can get hard it's concentration. Yeah. The concentration is the thing that, you know, like, you know, you can be uh, doing the do, right? And then suddenly, if there's a noise, it's just yeah. like, huh, what was that? That sounded like it could be a bird. Was it a bird? <laughs> Maybe it's not a bird. It might have been a bank. Oh, someone might have fallen over. And then the person's like, what are you doing? What's going on? Hey, hey, hey. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, my bad. Um, um, what are we doing? Uh, and then you so like sometimes you have to kind of you're trying to think on the fly and be like, oh, uh, you know, let me go down on you, and you just <laughs> and you just, you're talking to yourself like, come on, get back into the game, get back into the game, man, come on. Don't let me down. Come on, get hard, get hard. You're just like, Argh. and then you have to try and be like, okay, get back into it, get back into it. And yeah, your your concentration will just go. Yeah. And that was the that was one of the things. Like, but there's been other medication where you yeah, you can't like yeah. you know, you can't really think of sex. But yeah, other times it's your concentration that gets fucked up. Yeah, I um one of the like when I first started writing about this, I happened to have a date very early on where I remember the guy saying to me I'm super into this but I'm on this medication and things might you know go away and things might not happen and I might not have an orgasm but like it's it's all cool it's just the medication I remember thinking later wow see if we just had that conversation more often like 
it just took away so much pressure because we we both knew what was going on and it really I really owe that guy a big thanks because it really pushed me towards writing this book mm -hmm. I but with that I feel it depends on the person yeah because I I, I was seeing this other girl and like so now like this is so uh, the do I feel the doctors had kind of figured well they figured out something it turned out to be wrong but I they'd given me a load of different tablets to take and all of this and so you know I'm dating this new girl and before it kind of got intimate or anything like that I'm like hey just so you know right so I'm taking these tablets with this and this but everything's cool it's not contagious it's cool <laughs> don't worry right and you know so I, I let let her know um now one thing I didn't realize because you could still have sex but couldn't orgasm yeah <laughs> so you know so it's yeah. just like you know but you know like I think with these things you, you try and be decent obviously so you make sure that they're catered for right yeah. uh but yeah you're not coming and yeah. she gets so pissed mm. like it was just like oh why can't we just orgasm at the same time that's all I want us to have an orgasm at the same time I'm like Firstly, how many people does that actually happen to? <laughs> He's just like, oh, no, it's a thing. It should happen. And you can't, do it. like, what's going on? I'm just like, you're being irrational, yeah. but you're coming. And she's like, well, yeah, no, I came. I came. That's fine. I'm like, so what, what's the issue here? Like, I'm not mad at you because I can't come. <laughs> It's cool. It's fine, right? But it, yeah. it just became this weird situation. But then, you know, but that's the thing. You realize, ah, this person ain't for me, right? Yeah. But it's just even sometimes you give people all the facts. Oh yeah. And it's oh, no. still yeah. All the facts will not <laughs> make it work with everybody. <laughs> it will help you weed out people. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you don't get told this. No. don't get told no. this stuff right and I think it was I remember going to the doctors after when I realized and I'm like um so yeah you gave me that new medication it can't seem to ejaculate and they're like huh most people it doesn't affect and I'm like yeah uh -huh. well I'm the lucky one <laughs> <laughs> yay for me <laughs> but they have nothing. They have nothing for you. Yeah. And like, so any advice? Any like, um, and yeah, they get the book out and like, oh, it doesn't really say. And I go, like, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're like, thanks, super helpful. Yeah, <laughs> great conversation, Duck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and what I what I found talking to men and getting ready for this was the the men who experienced erectile dysfunction, doctors would be like, oh, cool, we can help you with that. And they would give them Viagra, but that didn't really solve any of the problems because they could, they still couldn't have an orgasm. They like, and one, one of my favorite descriptions somebody gave me writing the book was he talked about having um, an erection on Viagra as like being in a city where the buildings are there and they're big and they look like buildings, but you can't feel them. 
and it took me a while to figure out his penis was a building in this scenario. <laughs> Are you like, so in this analogy, are you the city? <laughs> yeah, that one didn't make it into the book, but it was still one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Like, see, for me, that an analogy would probably be more of a, um, it would seem more fitting, right? That it's like putting a leg brace on your leg. Yeah, because you still can't really stand on the leg, but yeah. the leg brace is kind of supporting it, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, that's the weird thing. Because yeah, you're not coming, are you? You're not ejaculating with some Viagra. people with the Viagra, yes, but some people no, and yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's not helping the underrooting issue by giving someone yeah. that. One of the interesting things, and I talk about this about in the, uh, uh, I talk about this in the book. Um, I went on this mission to like discover products that could help people like work around these things. And there's this one brand of stroker by this company called Hot Octopus, and it oscillates instead of vibrating, I guess, and that creates something that's different enough that um, one of the things they talk about now a lot in their advertising is that it can work without an erection. And so it can bring about orgasm without the whole erection process. And I found that fascinating. I'm yeah, not sure, I would like love to- it could happen. Yeah, yeah. And um, somebody at one of my conferences talked to me about, they put a, a like a masturbation sleeve on one of those big um, wand vibrators, one of those big like Hitachi things. And they said they had the that same thing where they didn't need to have an, uh, an erection to have an orgasm. Yeah, that just seems weird. <laughs> I, I think that would freak you, me out, right? Yeah. I'd be like, what's happening i'm not hot what's going on that doesn't seem like it sounds like that thing like when you're driving somewhere and then suddenly you're there and you don't remember the last 10 minutes like it feels like that like you skip a piece of the process and you're not sure how you got there yeah 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 that, that seems an odd one but it's out there, folks, if you are interested in working around erectile dysfunction, things are out yeah, there. I, yeah, I, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Hmm. Because, yeah, I think with, with those sort of things, like you hear about other options for women. Yeah. But like there doesn't really seem to be options for a guy yeah and we're getting better there's more than there used to be but it's still a huge discrepancy there's still so much more uh for women but we're we're, we're working on it i'd like to believe more is coming <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah i i just think it's like um conversation would help yeah right conversation i think conversation would definitely you know help in those um in those situations but uh how have you found um you know the response to the book the response to the book has been interesting in a way i didn't anticipate ah. what i keep being it's actually kind of changed what my next project is going to be based on this 
the feedback I keep getting is, because um, I kind of thought it was like, well, here's this stuff about talking to people when they have depression, but we're focusing on sex. Really, the part that people really seem to be getting the most out of is, I think, like chapters five and six, which is the like navigating depression with somebody and understanding how to talk to them and how to know what's going on with them and, and that type of stuff. And um, it made me realize that the world really needs some guidance with the just like getting on the same page as someone they mm. love who has depression. And so my next, the, the book I'm working on right now is actually... I keep joking it's monster without the sex because you know there are people out there who want to learn those communication skills but they're not going to buy the sex book because their brother has depression but yeah <laughs> but they they need something so that is um somehow my my career went from weird sex talker lady to woman who talks about depression all the time and i'm i'm good with it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and like, do you, what kind of led to the book being the way to, to kind of tell this rather than, I mean, like um, doing like webinars or podcasts or, you know, things like that, like a YouTube chat, like why a book format? Uh, because honestly, for me, I am like a writer first. And so um, I tend to not, like I am the worst at like Instagram because it requires me to like get in front of the camera and do, and I, I just don't do that. I don't show up for that well, but writing lets me get everything down. And so I think it really just happened in the medium that fits my skill set best. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you yeah. do a good job narrating the book. Oh, thank you. I was very excited to do that because I love uh, listening to audiobooks when it's the author. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. I think that makes a huge difference, especially yeah. when you've, like, you know, you hear the author maybe on a podcast talking or, you know, an interview or something like that. So hearing the book in their voice and it yeah. and they're able to emphasize the the things they want to emphasize and make certain points where someone else is just like bah, 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 bah. Yeah. <laughs> and it does, yeah it doesn't work as well you know so um, yeah that's always a good thing I, I liked the fact that you read the book yeah it, it made my mother very happy <laughs> she, she loved listening to it <laughs> Ah, uh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you, what's your kind of process for, for writing something like this? So, you know, for me, it's interesting because I, I am somebody who lives with chronic debilitating depression and a couple other health issues. And so that's why this book took almost seven years for me. Um, for me, the process was, you know, I did, I did the research, I did the surveys and stuff. Then I put a bunch of stuff together that I spent a long time going, I don't even know how to write a book and freaking out. And then I hired somebody to basically be my, my editor. I kept joking that she was my book dominatrix because she could like tell me what I had to do. And, you know, then eventually I found my publisher and stuff. Um, I think I took probably the most difficult route for a first book to like make it this research heavy thing and to write the whole thing before I brought a publisher on and all of that I would not do it that way again <laughs> but um 
this time the the new one has more been about like which ideas are people really latching onto? What can we open up more? And kind of letting the response I've gotten from readers guide the book a bit. Because honestly, that's what happened with Monster. I went in thinking it was gonna be a book where I said, other people also have this experience with sex. That's good to know, you know, don't feel alone. But the things people said guided the process to being like, oh, okay, people need to know how to navigate this with partners and how to feel supportive and, and all of those things. And all of that became part of a book, the book at a much later time, actually. Uh, yeah. So that yeah that reminds me the I think it's towards the end and you're talking about um hmm I think it's like ways to kind of um help the situation and you're just like uh and you know I, I was like so we changed the time for sex yeah, yeah. so it wasn't after dinner right yeah. because then I realized that in certain periods yeah. that, that you know that's a snuggle yeah. time and I'd rather just so yeah we just changed the time and yeah. I think that is I feel it's good to point things like that out because I, you know you you find that some people have those times right like um oh no not in the morning like I've just yeah. woken up like oh I haven't cleaned my teeth yet oh we no so um let's schedule it in for and it's like so it's always going to be this and this and this or or it's like I, I find it so weird sometimes right so you might be um with someone and you you know you're like in maybe the living room right and you're, you're kissing and stuff like that and everything's like progressing and it's just like no let's go to this room and you're like yeah well we're here <laughs> there's no one else here so you know I won't tell if you don't but it's just like no has to be in this room and we have to do it like this and it's yeah. just like eh, that's you know and, and I think like if everything is cool you can navigate to that next room yeah but if yeah you're kind of in the throes of and your concentration is all like like moving to another room then you're just it's you're out yeah. you know what I mean? like you know what I, mean? yeah, so, I, I always it, say like seize the moment like when yeah. in doubt like if if the if the feeling is there just go with it when it's there because it yes. might not be there later <laughs> yeah and then it was like, um, you were like, um, oh, and, you know, one time I wasn't quite sure and my partner just whipped <laughs> it out. <laughs> and then you're like, but I'm not saying just whip it out, people. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> no, yeah, like, that is um, the, sex, <laughs> the sexual skeleton key, right? So like, if you have a thing that you know is your turn on that you can try, then great. But also that doesn't mean you want somebody trying that all the time <laughs> without recourse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, that, that's a big, there's certain things can, you know, jumpstart stuff, yeah. but they they shouldn't then become the go-to, right? Yeah. Because then I think that just, well, it loses the, the you know, the jumpstart effect, right? Yeah, it, eventually the, it becomes something you dread because then it has pressure attached to it. And yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 
But yeah, no, I, I thought that was a, a good thing to put in. Because yeah. I, yeah, I think it does remind people that, oh yeah, it, it doesn't, and it shouldn't necessarily be this routine thing. Yeah. I, and, and it's weird because we, you always hear that when people are talking about trying to conceive. Yes. Right, because they're like, yeah. okay, so we've marked it down, so it's on moon on the moon day that we're doing at you know this time, and then just like, oh, we've been trying for four years and it didn't work, and so we decided, huh, sod it. So we got a glass of wine and then we just did it on a different day, and hey, we're having a baby, and it's just like, yeah, you take the pressure away, you take that, you know, that rigidness. Well, I mean, obviously, you need the rigidness. Yeah, it's some of that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you, you loosen things up and everything becomes gravy, you know what yeah. I mean? And I think sometimes, and especially when it's a, it's a situation that's, you know, it's gone past a new stage, yeah. right? You've got like, you know, what people, really, I guess it's the honeymoon stage when you've just first met someone and it's just like, you know, all engines are revving at all times. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The, yeah, now now it's kind of, yeah, it can get into a routine. Like this yeah. time, this place will start like this. And then, and then at this point we'll lead into that. And, you know, you can, yeah, shake it up. Yeah, we need more flexibility because like you get locked into this thing and if you don't want to do that thing and then like nothing happens and that's, yeah. Mm. You got to be willing to change what it looks like, what it feels like, whatever, occasionally to kind of continue that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, yeah, I thought that was, um, yeah, that was, that was good advice. Oh, good. Good advice. <laughs> uh, so like, when do you think the um, the new book will be? Uh... <laughs> so I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I told my publisher, oh, I think I could get it done in a couple of months. And then I spent days like laughing at the fact that I believed that. Um, <laughs> I think it's going <laughs> to take some time. Um, my, my, like, my ambitious goal would be next year, but I'm going to guess that it's probably going to be later than that. <laughs> yeah yeah we'll see but just sometime before Georgia R. R. Martin hands in exactly his yeah. <laughs> exactly oh oh well, no splendid man uh, yeah no that that's I I think um you know, your book could be very useful to a lot of people oh thank you I hope so hmm yeah. yeah yeah it's the thing because you know I'm, I'm in my 40s now so you're having those moments where you're looking around and you're like what have i contributed to the world have i get, have i done anything is it different at all than when i got here and so you know i'm like maybe this maybe this will help <laughs> i know right they're, they're, the, they're the conversations that jump into your head late at night and you're like god damn it what have i, what have I and then you'd be like, I did that. No, that wasn't me. Don't lie. That was more them. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel this, this is definitely a good contribution that you have put out there. So you are fine, Joellen. I appreciate that. Thank you. So where can people find it? 
um, you, so you can find the book it sounds corny to say, but anywhere books are sold. Um, internationally, outside of the U.S., one of your best bets is a, shot, uh, a site called Book Depository that does free shipping worldwide. Oh. And yeah, yeah. So that's been a really uh, great resource for people. Mm. Um, you can find me online at redheadbedhead.com. And on all of the social medias, I am Joella Nadi, just my full name. Cool. So that's Twitter, Instagram. Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook, though I barely update that one. I'm not on any of the newer, cooler ones because I am, again, in my 40s. So Wait, I am whoa, whoa, not whoa. on TikTok. Hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> there are newer, cooler ones? I don't know. What are these, what are these newer, cooler platforms? I need to I know. <laughs> I, I know. I know the kids are liking TikTok these oh. days. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I can't. Like any time people talk about TikTok, it just seems young people doing crazy things. And if I was to go on there, it would feel like the old dude at the playground. So I am not. I'm staying clear. And there are some people doing some fantastic educational, like really cool stuff on TikTok, but. Honestly, it was it was enough for me to remember that somebody was going to see my face today and I should pull myself together. <laughs> so making daily videos is not on the agenda. Yeah. No, my, my friend's an artist and she's got um Cindy Light Art. Cindy Cooper Light Art. Cindy Cooper Blair Light Art. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. She um, you know, she works at a, a place called Amuse and she's uh, she makes these incredible sculptures. And um, yeah, no, she's doing a thing on TikTok as well. Like you, you know, she's on all the other stuff, but yeah, she's on. She does these little how-to videos, and you can see the process and everything like that, and they're great. But yeah, I I, I couldn't. No, no. <laughs> it's not for me. <laughs> no, not me either. <laughs> but yeah, no, or Audible. That's where I got the book. Oh yeah. And um, yes, Audible. yes, the book is on Audible. Um, oh, and there's somewhere else. Um, oh, Libro.fm is a place where you can get the audiobook and support uh, small independent booksellers. Okay. Yeah. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Awesome. So, um, people, go check out the book. You know, like, hey, even if you're not experiencing the, you know, depression or anything like that, hey, maybe a friend is, and this can give you, a, you know, a helping hand to be able to offer a helping hand. True. Yeah, and, and honestly, the way the book is set up, you can cut out before we start talking about the sex stuff. Just read up to chapter seven. Yes. And put it down. <laughs> You'll be fine. Sex stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Joel, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. It's been thank you so great. much for having me. Ah, no worries at all. Anytime. And when um, you know, when the new book does venture out hey you know we'll have to have another conversation yes yes i would love that <laughs> splendid well good luck with that and um good luck with uh everything else you thank know you. so um yeah thank you very much have a great one all right you too okay people so 
we are coming to the close on another episode but before we do let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of tv so there's a few things people um jamie dorman he has um just joined um the tourist a uh, limited series for hbo max the bbc um stan zdf and two brothers pictures Whew, a lot of chefs in that kitchen so um yeah it's uh I don't know, it's an interesting, well, I say it's an interesting story, it's an odd one, right, so it's about, um, well, a guy that is, um, yeah, it looks like he's being pursued by, um, you know, people's unknown, right, he, uh, wakes up in a hospital, hurt, but alive, and no memory right no memory but these people are still tracking him down and trying to kill him and it's kind of in the outback of australia so um yes a little similar to a few things but yeah i don't know so harry and jack williams have um written the series it's being produced by Christopher Aird and Andrew Benson. And we've also got Hugo Weaving, Shalom Bruna Franklin, and, and Danielle McDonald in the series, along with um, Dorman. Hmm. Now, also, um, they've been talking about it for a while, right? Uh, Amazon, so um, they're going to be showing it, and it's from, uh, oh my god, who's that fucking comedian? Uh, he was in... Um, Knocked up, you know, that dude And, you know, he's behind um, God, the boys And all of that Yeah, he, he's uh, Yeah, he's executive producing But it's invincible, right It's the, the cartoon um, That's based On Robert Kirkman's Comic book series Which is, you know, it's now finished But, um, yeah Amazon have finally announced that it will be debuting on March the 26th and then every Friday an episode will drop so yeah you you have that now there's a lot of people involved right so we've got voice talents of Sandra U, Mark Hamill uh, Michelle Ali, Walter Goggins, Zachary Quinto, Ezra Miller, you know, uh, Zazie Beat, Seth Rogen, Seth Goddamn Rogen, that's the motherfucker, right? But yes, so that's coming, people. So, fans, finally, you got a day. Right, um, people that enjoy the back the blacklist on NBC, you will be pleased to know it has been renewed for a ninth season. A ninth season, Whew. that is a lot. 
Alright, so also Ellen um, Pompeu, she, uh, she's got a new show coming, um, so it's going to be on ABC, right, and it's called Paradise, right, so um, yeah, it, it, it's based on Ellen Hildebrand's, you know, book trilogy of the same name. Um, and it revolves around a woman, you know, she's, uh, she's married, she's got a kid, and her husband dies, you know, dies in a weird way, but then all the secrets come out, right, she discovers that he's got a completely separate life with another family on uh, St. John, Right, the Caribbean island. So now she sets out to unfold all the huge mysteries. So yeah, that's coming. Um, HBO, they've got a new series called The Fact of a Body. Right, so um, Jeremiah Zaga, he um, co-wrote and is directing. The, uh, the series Which is based on Alex Mazzano Lenzerwick's Memoir of the same name Right so uh, It's basically about A young lawyer Whose opposition to the death penalty Is shaken when she's Assigned the case Of a paedophile And child murderer Whose complicated life story Parallels the long Suppressed trauma of her Past Dum 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 Alright Some other stuff Ah, Well we are getting a new adaptation of F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby, right? So this is for ITV and the A&E Studios, right? So um, Michael Hurst is, um, yeah, he's behind this, this version of um, the book. Right, and the um, Fitzgerald estate are working with him. So Hurst is writing the scripts and um, executive producing uh, the series, along with Michael London. Right, and um, yeah, I don't know, people. Right, sometimes these things seem a little bit false. Right, so um, this version. Is uh, said to explore New York's black community. Yay! Because there were so many black characters in the original book. Yay! <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you don't know the story, haven't seen the film or other adaptations, then maybe this will be for you. Hmm? Maybe. <laughs> okay, so um, Fox, uh, they've got a new show coming from uh, Jack Amiel and Michael Belger, and it's called Cocky, right? So uh, it follows Bert, 
a rideshare driver with a PhD who is the smartest idiot in the world and what happens when a guy who lacks any filter whatsoever lives with the most insecure overly sensitive talking cockatoo on the planet Hmm. Hmm. I guess it could be good, right? These these guys created Bob's Burger and the Nick, so eh, I don't know. It's an animated show. It could well be worth a look. But uh, now this is interesting. So Jeff Nichols, you know, he was working on a um, you know a, 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 a remake of Alien Nation, right? He, he was all set to make a, a film version. Now Alien Nation, it's it was a film. It was a TV series. And um, yeah, Nichols, he wanted to do another film of it But everything stalled when Disney, you know, took over Fox But it would seem that Nichols, he's coming back with it He's coming back with it So this time, it's uh, going to be at 20th Century Studios And uh, it's going back to the the genesis of it all So, um, yeah, Nichols has scrapped the film idea And he's taking it to TV So uh, it's going to be a 10 episode limited series um, Which, you know, I kind of feel it's probably the best place for the story to properly unfold You know what I mean? Because, yeah, the original Alien Nation, it had depth to it So, yeah, I kind of feel that, you know, a TV series uh, gives a, a lot more room to run with the idea Right, so um, he said this We spent three years building up an entire alien civilization And this set up uh, And this set up and all the characters We were set to make it as our next big challenge A hundred million studio film Then Disney bought Fox and killed it Which was a little soul crushing to say the least They came in and asked if I would be interested in turning it into a series, potentially So I have taken the script and broken it into 10 episodes And it's under consideration right now Who knows, the powers that be are deciding that So, uh, yeah, I don't know We will uh, see how all of this turns out, right? So, um... Fans of the Serial Podcast And we know there's a lot of you out there HBO are um, turning the uh, the third season of the podcast Into a TV series Alright, so um, Yeah, it, it follows a young cop And a man he's accused of beating Right, and it's set against the flawed inner workings of the middle American courthouse. Alright, so uh, eh, eh. we'll see. Uh, we'll see what goes down with that. But Shola Amu is um, writing the script. You know, so it, it's coming from LeBron James's uh, 
Spring Hill Production Company Right, but uh, yeah, I don't think anyone else has signed on for it But it could be interesting Right, um, Amy Adams is saddling up, it would seem Yeah, she is going to be executive producing Outlawed Right, it's a, uh, a feminist western TV series That's what it's being sold on Right, so it's um, based on Anna North's um, best-selling novel And it centres on a young midwife who's initiated into the notorious hole-in-the-wall gang And becomes part of their mission to transform the West Hmm. Now, you can't beat a good western So, uh, yeah, let's see what happens with um, with that, right? Now, whoo, Vikings is coming to an end But Michael Hurst, yes, he's back He has been creating Vikings Valhalla Which um, is set up at Netflix Right, so um, they have just announced, um, yeah, the uh, the cast. Right, so we will be getting, uh, gosh, where are the people? Um, Travis Fimmel. Um, no, not Travis Fimmel. So Sam Corlett. That's it. So it's, he was uh, most recently in um, Sabri- the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, but yeah, he's got the the lead role of Leif Erikson. We've also got Frida Gustafsson as Frida's Eric's daughter, Leo Stutter as Harold Sigdusen. Bradley Freegood as King Canute, uh, Johannes Johannesson as Olaf Haldson, Laura Berlin as Emma of Normandy, David Oakes as Earl Goodwin, Caroline Henderson as Jarl Hilken, Pollyanna McIntosh as Queen Aleph Goof. And as Bujun Kunuf Nissen as Jao Harl. Uh, you know, if it's anything like the uh, you know the original series, I cannot wait. Because yeah, it is uh, it's all very good. You know, so Jeff Stewart is um, co-writing along with Hurst, and um, yeah. You know, can't wait, people. I cannot wait. All right, show next. Well, we're sticking with Netflix because they've announced that they are making two new anime series based on two big franchises. So they are doing one on um, Skull Island, right? Uh, which follows shipwrecked characters desperate to survive the most dangerous place on earth, the island that is home to the colossal monsters, including the mega 
Mega Primatus himself, King Kong. Uh, Brian Duft is executive producing and writing the series, uh, along with Jake Jacob Robinson. And they're also doing a uh, Tomb Raider animated series. Yes. So uh, it's said to be continuing the story that started with Square Enix's um, 2013 reboot and um, ended with Shadow of the Tomb Raider in 2018. Right, so uh, Tasho Huo uh, is writing and executive producing along with Dimitri M. Johnson, Stephen Bugajish, and Howard Bliss. Yes. And, um, oh, I'm, this is a very interesting. So, The Witcher, right? Netflix picked up the rights. And, um, yeah, we've got the main series. We've got an animated, you know, film coming. And I think an animated series. And now we are getting a, um... A prequel series Yep, that's right A prequel series So uh, it's going to be a limited one And it's called Preach The Witcher Blood Origin Six episodes And it's going to be starring Jodie Turner-Smith Aha Yes, you will recognise the name Because she was extremely good In Queen and Slim Mm-hmm. Right, so um, the show serves as a prequel to this, you know, the, uh, the the main series, which is getting a second season, right? And it's set in an elven world 1,200 years before the events of The Witcher. Um, it will tell of the creation of the first prototype Witcher and the events that lead to the conjunction of the spheres, an event that merged the worlds of monsters, men and elves. Turner Smith is playing a character called Ilil, an elite warrior and former Queen's Guardian, blessed with a goddess's voice. Following her heart as a nomadic musician, a reckoning on the continent forces her to return to the way of the blade. Uh, Declan Debira is um, he's going to be the executive producer and showrunner with uh, Lauren Schmidt Hirsch, Jason Brown, Sean Daniel Tomac, Bujiziki, and Jarek Schwaber. Also executive producing. So um yeah. Alright. Sounds good, right, people? Definitely sounds good. But that's us. We are done. Hope you've enjoyed this. And um, yeah, if you liked um, you know, our conversation with Joe Ellen, then uh you might want to go pick up a book. Right, so um, all the links are in the episode notes. So go check that out, people. And um, you know, remember if you haven't checked out part one, go do that too. All right, 
we're done. See you next week. Peace.